Welcome to the Salted Podcast, where we are translating and transforming our view of politics, pop culture, and personal preference. In this episode, we discuss the end of the world. Is it going to end? When will it end? And how will it end? And how does the biblical account of the future answer these questions with a unique hope found only in Jesus? Let's get salty. Welcome to the Salted Podcast, latest episode. My name's Yon. This is Dan, and Yon, we're in episode 22. 22. We've had, if you average it out, we've got like 222 listens overall, if you get 10 per listen. Wow. Well, we get more than that. Yeah. Well, so thank you, dear listener. Yeah. Uh, I think we, I actually think we added it up. We said we had something like 3,500 total listens on this, and this is our huge benchmark, episode number 22. So, Which is good, even considering you're half of those and I'm the other half. Yeah, I mean, if I have it on repeat, it still counts, <laughs> right, when I sleep. But thanks for joining us. Uh, this episode, we're talking about, really, how is this world going to end? <laughs> and we're going to take a look at some of the different perspectives on how that's going to happen. Um, and then, if you stick around long enough, we're going to tell you, if it all goes haywire, what is the best way to go out in a bang? Or not a bang? And what does our dystopian future, what's the best way to go out if it's a true dystopian future? So Pastor Dan will tell you, really, what's the best way to die? That's right. How do you want to slip away? Yeah. So congratulations. Uh, we're going to secure your future in this episode. So um, so we're talking about kind of why are we talking about this? Well, I guess in the Christian world and the religious world, this is kind of like, an, this talks about eschatology, right? It's mm. kind of like the study of the end times, the right. end of days or whatever different religions call them. But we're talking about it today because they're literally on the radio as I was driving over here to record this. The people are talking about what kind of nuclear weapons Russia has and what happens when they fire them or they detonate a suitcase nuke in a certain small city. And everyone's kind of literally talking about <laughs> World War Three and the end of the world in a nuclear war. Mm. So... We figured, well, it's a good, what better time than uh, than now to talk about, well, how c- could the world end, and what is the biblical description of eschatology, and what happens kind of at the, it's not even fair to say at the end of the the world, right? It's, you know, well, we want to tip our hand to right. the differences in worldviews, but that's why we're talking about it. So if you have some angst around what's going to happen as we go along in our lives, and are we near the end? Um, this is the episode for you. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully this is, and ends up, um, soothing your sleep and not generating nightmares. Um, I could see how it would do one or the other. There's a lot of nightmare scenarios that have been floated in light of this, uh, uh, tension. And we do discover that in fact, um, nuclear weapons are a deterrent for, uh, what could be, uh, what could be a potential uh, third world war. Uh, but this is on the mind of people, you know, yeah, this it, is very much on the mind of people, especially if you're, um, and I shouldn't say especially, but if you aren't necessarily a religious person or you don't necessarily have a Christian worldview and including if you do have a Christian worldview, this could very well be, be something that's on your mind to the degree in which you have a hard time sleeping and a hard time concentrating on stuff 
that you're supposed to be focusing on because of this kind of like this dark cloud uh, cloud overhead like is it going to end in a nuclear um, invasion or uh, assault or exchange of nuclear nuclear explosions or what or is it going to end differently yeah it's a uh, i mean i mean there's there's i mean in real in real time they're talking about stuff that could potentially precipitate something like this they're talking about no fly zones over ukraine which right. would put nato in direct hostilities with the russians and that would trigger you know putin has put his nuclear elements and his nuclear nuclear units on alert um and so there's like b-52 bombers flying just near the U- russian airspace so it's like so there's there's some there's there's actually tensions rising and it does actually cause some anxiety and not only not only the the idea of nuclear war but just the end of the world and we'll kind of take a look at some of the different perspectives on even how the world ends and how that contributes to people's level of stress and anxiety not knowing the future yeah i'm probably exasperated by a whole world of social media now that's just showing just um extremely high levels of suffering in the ukrainian people just because of the access people have to the images of what's actually going on so that kind of heightens the level of oh wow this is real and it's actually causing and it's the first real conventional war in a long time so yeah. so we're going to start by uh kind of reviewing we think well well how do we translate this and how do we kind of put in the perspective what the biblical and the gospel-centered worldview is for eschatology on the end times and so we'll start just by reviewing some of the major religious and irreligious viewpoints of what does the you know quote-unquote end of the world actually look like and how is the biblical um idea uh unique so yeah clearly there's different ways of uh understanding or interpreting that that the end times is going to arrive right so there's different views depending on what uh faith background you're relying on or what what um what scenario that you tend to yeah, envision. Yeah, and everyone has an eschatology. You don't. You don't have to have a religious faith to have have an eschatology. Everyone believes that generally, and we'll see um, that generally there's a potential end or an end to kind of awareness the human hmm. life cycle in the universe end or continue. What does it look like? Yeah, that's a good point. So I don't think I ever thought of that before. That if you may not have a religious one or one informed by the um, biblical or the um, authority right the authoritative writings of a of a faith but you have one yep and there's there's like an equal authoritative level of people and writings that are the equivalent of like a religious text that is causing levels of stress and anxiety we'll take a look at that yeah too. interesting so if you're religious then you get the best of both worlds you get a little yeah. bit of stress and anxiety from your religious worldview or not and then a little bit uh from the rationalist secular humanist side. So so let's just jump in. We'll take a look at um, kind of four major religious ones. I'm going to leave the you know the biblical center one to you in our in our transforming uh, section and yeah. then we'll look at the secular humanist view just so we can see what are the and there's actually some unique interesting threads that run through all of them. So uh, if you're a comparative religions person then you'll love this. But I'm a nerd. So I thought it yes. was fascinating. Yes, in fact, it was fascinating. you are. Yeah, so uh, but let's start with with the Jewish faith, right? Judaism. So it's pretty interesting because Judaism doesn't um, necessarily have a very, um, I mean, it doesn't have like a book of Revelation type thing in the like the Bible does, where it has a really clear uh, picture or, I guess, clear in in quotations, right? yeah, detailed, <laughs> detailed, yeah, yeah. Des- description of of what of what it means. So. Um, 
really it kind of all of it in general kind of focuses on the idea that it's like it's very theocentric so it's con- essentially concerned with the ultimate triumph of god and his justice right so it's there are some there's like some and i guess kind of is the thread that goes through all of them is that there's always these level of preliminary events that precede some sort of end of time mm-hmm. right and in the jewish tradition it's um that there's what they call the day of the Lord is kind of the culminating experience, right? right. And so there's going to be a couple of events that kind of pre, um, what do I, what's the word I'm looking at? Preliminary events that come before this kind of mm. ultimate end of the end of the world. Um, and it's not really the end of the world. So, but in general, this kind of the idea is that there's the Messiah shows up. So there's, we're currently living in the, you know, the temple has been destroyed, um, they're waiting on the Messiah to show up, and there is a period of prolonged distress, plagues, famine, floods, earthquakes, wars, revolutions, and cosmic disturbances, such as the darkening of the sun and the moon and the falling of the stars from the sky. Okay, so this that is so cool. Yeah, right. <laughs> so it, it's this buildup, and then suddenly the Messiah returns uh, to rescue and kind of start that renewal process yeah and so in the jewish faith it would be the first time arrival of the messiah the first time arrival right, right. correct and yep. that's what separates it from what would be considered kind of uh, fundamental christianity right correct yep um and so you know so kind of when the cup of evil you know is filled to the brim the messiah will come to bring uh salvation wow. and that was how they described the day of the lord right right um and there's a couple things that mark the jewish idea of the day of the lord there's an idea of and again this kind of goes through all the different religions they kind of have some markers and say well this oh, is yeah. what it will actually look like so um the jews say there's going to be retribution mm-hmm. so there's you know justice the bad will be punished the good will be rewarded um there's a resurrection of the dead um there's the concept of gehenna which is the, it's literally a place outside of Jerusalem that was defiled and was like a dung heap. And it was a place of an old altar to Molech, but it's kind of now described as it, that's where like eternal fire for the wicked. So uh, that's what they'll be judged. Eternal be, punishment. Yes. Eternal punishment. Yep. Yeah. And then there's the idea of the opposite of paradise, right? So, but in the Jewish tradition, it's not the end of the world. It's, oh, it's yeah. similar to Christianity, but it's the return of the earth right. to the state prior to the fall. So the garden of Eden. Yeah. So everything gets reset. Correct. Yep. Ish. Yep. Yep. Um, and the Messiah brings that to pass, yes, right? Yes. The Messiah comes in and brings that to pass. So. Is that a political ruler in their view? No, I don't think that they, they describe it specifically as it's not a geopolitical nation state of Israel ruling over everybody it's this idea that's more of a spiritual message wow. like a, uh, that's specifically kind of what they said that's interesting so yeah so there's the Jewish right so there's a Jewish one again a lot of I mean this is kind of again Christianity is is obviously connected very closely in, in a continuation of that so we'll talk that's kind of some overlap in Christianity but um, this similarly Islam which is another Abrahamic um, mm-hmm. kind of tradition right they have their own eschatology as well and it's not necessarily kind of outlined a lot in the Quran but it's primarily in what they call hadiths which is a couple hundred years later they they it was just some talks that Muhammad gave as opposed oh, to the infallibility of the Quran okay um, and they too have kind of the end of the world is the day of judgment right and the oh. day of judgment is one of six you know Sunni um, accesses of faith, right? So the day of judgment is like, if you think of like the key chief core principles, biblical, like, like the, the central beliefs, 
the Day of Judgment is is one of those six. Oh, yeah. So it's kind of a prominent thing. Yep. Um, Shias, they have seven, but it, it's equally So prominent. the Quran describes some of it? Yeah, it, it describes the last judgment, and there's a couple of interpretations, but they have some guiding principles as well and some kind of, um, let's say, here's some of the markers that kind of that, that, that go along with their Day of Judgment. Uh, and it's the first one is that you know no one knows it except for Allah, mm. so no one knows the time or the date. Oh, that's familiar. Yeah, right. Uh, even the the Prophet Muhammad cannot bring it forward. So as oh, important yeah. as the Prophet Muhammad is, he can't kind of start that. Um, there's a resurrection element, so those who have been dead um, will come back to life, but they will believe that there has been a short time between their death and coming back to life. Mm-hmm. Um, Nothing will remain except Allah. So there's a bit of an annihilationist. Um, it wow. is kind of more of an end of time, end of the world kind of thing. I less, didn't know that. I yeah. didn't know that. You know? So less, um, less return to Eden in yeah. the Jewish tradition, and more of a bit of an annihilationist idea. And there's like yeah. so there's a paradise separate from kind of right. like the earth. Okay, so annihilating the material Correct. world. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Um, and it's a, it's a funny one because God will resurrect all, even if they have turned to stone or iron. Which is which wow. is good for so those. So even of us. if they lived in Narnia, yes, with right. a white witch, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so even if they have turned to stone or iron, and then those that have accepted false deities will suffer in the afterlife. Oh so again, my. there's a there's a punishment, a retribution, wow. and an eternal uh, punishment wow. element to it as well. I'm right. so curious as to whether or not accepting Jesus fully as the Messiah, as the rescuing Savior, would be categorized as a uh, false deity. Yes. I think so. Yeah, uh, maybe on the infidel category. Yeah, I think yeah. it's because, I mean, they would believe the in Jesus, but the idea that Jesus, their prophet, would be killed and is the son of God, right, that they would, that yeah, would count yeah. that as polytheism Ooh. and that God can never take human form, and so that's kind of where they... I got that, wow. Yep. Um, so, but but there's some markers, and this is, again, this is the reason we're talking about specifically about these markers is because they are they are very similar to kind of some of the, the Christian beliefs, right? Yeah. So they have a couple main characters they have the antichrist so that will appear with huge powers as a one-eyed man with the other eye blind and deformed like a grape That's so they already know what he looks like right exactly so keep any, an eye out for a guy any one of, man with <laughs> any eye. one of the mollusks so another guy who's got an eye deformed like a grape yeah so. run for the hills yep. that's amazing um, that's amazing detail. Yeah, right. Pretty cool. It'd be so easy. Know. <laughs> Why can't they just by believing a guy with one eye with a grape? You imagine dudes trying to do that to themselves to pull exactly. to pull off the uh, <laughs> like. Right, who wants to be the antichrist? Yeah. <laughs> I got to deform you my do eye. It. I'm not yeah. doing it. You do it. Yep. So that person will hold the keys to heaven and hell. Oh my Lead gosh. many astray. Um, but then someone, the Mahdi, who appears, um, is kind of like the, the rescuer mm-hmm. person a little bit, um, appears and rules bringing about righteousness. Um, but in order to defeat the Antichrist, Jesus, who is Isa, literally will return to aid the Mahdi oh my. against the Al-Dajjal, which is the Antichrist, um, the false messiah. Yeah. Uh, and he will descend at the point of a white arcade East of Damascus, dressed in yellow robes with his head anointed, he will then join the Mahdi in this war against the Dajjal, oh, the Antichrist, and Isa. Jesus will slay it and unite humanity. That's wow, right out of wow. right out of one of the Hadiths, I think. So. That is amazing. <laughs> By the way, Yon, I mean, I can't be the only one that sees the amazing similarities. Yeah, it's pretty The parallels yep. here with some major distinctions, of course, yep. from the Christian faith. But yep. But man, even the language sometimes sounds so similar. Yep. So it's pretty. I mean, again, 
if you're nerd, if you're like me, I nerd out at this because I'm like, it's just incredible to see the, the consistency, like you said. So, um, but again, the idea of descending in the clouds yeah. and, you know, you, you know, so, so that's kind of like the, the Islamic version of, okay, there's, you know, there is an end time. It's kind of a little bit more annihilationist. There's a day of judgment. Again, there's some common themes right there. Right. Um, and it's kind of the idea that things are going to get really bad. People are just going to be doing whatever they want under this antichrist and they won't be living in accordance with God's law. And, um, that's kind of facilitate some of these. So, yeah. so, um, so that's the Islamic view. Uh, next is Buddhist. And this is an interesting one because most people just think, I think if you, if you were to poll the common person, they would think, Oh, Buddhism is just a philosophy where you right. wear bo- beads and you, <laughs> <laughs> you wear beads and then you meditate. Right. And you're yeah. really punk, calm and peaceful. Um, yeah, Buddhism yeah. actually has its own pretty wild, unique eschatology. Really? As well. I would kind of picture the Buddhist believing, and I know this is ignorant, but if I just kind of extrapolate, you know, some impressions and maybe some some uh, cliches, you know, I, I would just I would just kind of envision their eschatology to be more like everybody just kind of falls asleep and goes away. Right, yeah. I mean, you just, de- de- you just kind of de- detach from the physical. Yeah, it's kind of like, yeah. I mean, like that's what, you know, nirvana is or, you know, some... Right. But it's just good. Yeah. It, it, but it's 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 pretty wild. So Buddhism, just kind of in general. Okay. So Buddhism, in their kind of worldview, believes in cycles in which li- in which the lifespan of human beings change according to human nature. Huh. Okay. So they had they also reincarnation rates. Right? So everyone right. kind of knows that. But the idea that there's there are cycles and that these cycles change in both lengths and a kind of experience based on the way humans behave. So that simply means that in the Buddhist tradition, um, there are tra- there are teachings that um, the very first Buddha um, had a lifespan of eighty thousand years. So okay. people lived to eighty thousand years old. People seems like li- a lot. It seems like it a seems lot. Like a lot. People lived in like essentially purely virtuous. You know what they would call skillful. And mm. They call skilled and unskilled kind of behavior, which is an interesting thing. But yeah. they say everyone is virtuous and everyone lives this skillful human existence, and that's what creates this long life, right? Mm. And then so, but then as these human cycles exist, continue, people move further and further away from the virtuous life, and that creates a shorter and shorter life cycle for people. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah. And so what wow. they, yeah, yeah, exactly, right? And so what they say is, is that there are these 10 moral courses of conduct and they say, this is, that's essentially the virtuous living, right? And as these lifestyles go, people will move further and further away from living in accordance with these 10 moral courses and they will actually follow 10 amoral concepts such as theft, violence, murder, lying, evil speaking, adultery, abusive and idle talk, covetedness, ill will, wanton greed, and perverted lust. Okay, but those are people, the people who are doing that, you're saying, are ones who have already been living these original lifespans, right? There's, yeah, it's, well, yeah, it's like the this, more you live, the worse you become, yeah, the people more you are, evolve. Yeah, yeah, people's behavior becomes further away from the ideal, and that shortens the life cycle. Yes, gotcha. And then ultimately, they wow. say, ultimately, the 10 moral courses will disappear completely. And that will create um, the morality that generates and continue. Human life will continue to shorten to the point where the moral, the normal lifespan is ten years, with people reaching sexual maturity at the age of five. They're very specific. Five? In that. 
So if they're they're living for you know it goes from eighty thousand years all the way down to your life cycle because people are so oh. this moral code has disappeared so much they I don't gotcha. live with it at all they live in actually direct opposition of it it goes down to ten years so like you're growing up in like this super rapid um, process yeah and you're living completely opposed to anything that the, the what is virtuous yeah. living oh my goodness. and then this ultimately deteriorates to the point of what they would describe as a quote unquote sword interval sword mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. the, the sharp thing in which a sword appears in the hands of all human beings and they hunt one another like game a few people however <laughs> will take shelter in the wilderness to escape the carnage and when the slaughter is over they will come out of hiding and resolve to take up a life of skillful and virtuous action with the recovery of this virtue the human lifespan will increase will go the opposite direction oh. and it will continue to increase until it reaches the opposite end of the spectrum of 80,000 years with people attaining sexual maturity at 500 years old. Wow. So wow. it's this constant expansion and retraction of human life cycles based on people's morality, morality and yeah. immorality. Wow. Yo, and that is so fascinating. When you were talking about them, when you were talking about, uh, you know, taking shelter, escaping away to a, a wilderness, just a few people, it's like it, it, it just resonated with me as if it's some kind of Noah. It's sure. like the Noah yeah. and his family who are the few that God selects to yeah. set apart and then kind of starts again, you know, with yeah. this uh, with this uh, yeah. emergence of the human race. Yeah. It's incredible. It's incredible because you can see the same kind of themes, right? It's like it kind of, it, there's degenerative behavior that yeah. kind of marks it. The and fall. The fall, yeah. There's, it's based on bad behavior. That kind of marks the 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 you know the path to the end and then there's a judgment right there's a retribution where people are the judgment in that they all get swords and they start killing each other they get like essentially like handed over to their barbarism and then there's a remnant that remains and things are that those people return right the world and restore it back to the way it's supposed to be yeah that's so interesting so who knew right yeah no idea it's so complex i mean holy moly (laughs) yeah um long and short of it is you behave Poorly, your lifestyle, you're only going to live 10 years. Yeah, right? it reduces to the yep. degree in which you're living immoral. Yep. So that's Buddhism. It's good incentive, though, to live morally, right? Yeah, I mean, again, if the whole concept the of Buddhism is living the virtuous lifestyle and trying to, you know, a, yeah. achieve uh, transcendency, right, right. then that's kind of like... The, so So literally, the better you live, the more, the longer you live. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's a, a, a yep. very effective incentive. I know, right? <laughs> Seems like it kind of sucks to get trapped on the you're like wait i'm on the 10 year track why can't i be on the 80,000 year track yeah thanks mom thanks obama uh (laughs) exactly uh next one hinduism is a big one okay Mm -hmm. so hindu i don't know much about hinduism but i was doing a little bit of research and um again hinduism similar to buddhism and that it kind of has this cyclical idea of time Mm. right westerners we kind of a linear view of time yeah they're more cyclical right And that, so they would say that one age may end, but another will always begin. Okay. Okay. So they kind of view it in ages and cycles. Right? Oh, wow. And so as such, right, there's a cycle of birth, growth, sure. decay, death. Yep. And renewal. So at the individual level, but that mm. also kind of echoes in the cosmic order of things. Right. Okay. okay. But it's also kind of influenced you know, unknowingly about the kind of, you know, that would describe the comings and goings of divine interventions. You're like, there are some divine visitations. Yeah. Um, and what's real, what's important to note again, lots of detail, but what's important to note for this is that there's three main Hindu gods. Okay. Kind of like the chief gods. And don't tell me you're going to name them. I'm going to name them. I'm oh gonna, boy. I, I've been working on this. So. <laughs> uh, there's Brahma, the creator. 
Brahma, the creator, okay. Vishnu, the preserver, and Shiva, the destroyer. I do like the name Shiva the best of the ones you just said. Yeah. I, probably most people know or have heard of the term Shiva or the person of Shiva at some point, but maybe not. <laughs> um, but really what they, what, they, what they believe is is that um, there's multiple ages, right? They describe four periods within an age. Okay. okay, so the track with it. There's one age, four distinct pieces of that age. And this entire age is comprised of 4.25 billion years. Oh, my goodness. Okay. That seems like a long time. Yeah, so one age, four individual parts. Um, and each period has a successive degeneration in the moral order. Of course. So just like the other ones, mm-hmm. right? There's a degeneration of moral order and the character of human beings. Yeah. So to the point that... This um, this godlike figure, Kali Yuga, um, quarrel and hypocrisy are prevalent. So, mm. I mean, that doesn't sound nearly as bad as all the other things. Quarrel and hypocrisy, but you know, yeah. <laughs> at the end, if that's as bad as it gets, that's we're all incredible. lucky. But um, and so there's this helplessness in the face of all of the suffering that happens because of the human condition degenerating. Um, to the point of it's where it's so terrible. And so there's this nostalgia for this golden yeah. future salvation, right? Interesting. And so what happens is after these four years happen, the, the human, this is kind of similar to Buddhism, that the human like lifespan is reduced, right? So it's reduced and reduced and reduced. And so now we're at like, okay, well, your lifespan is now 100 years. Mm. Um, and then what happens is once you get back to, you go all the way back down to this terrible, um, you know, you're the, the 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 behavior of humans degenerates so much. There's so much suffering. There's so much pain. There's so much agony. There's so much um, helplessness and nostalgia for this future salvation that you kind of time kind of in the in the universe contracts backwards, and there's a new big bang. So mm-hmm. let me so let me, <laughs> wow. so things started perfectly. Humanity degenerates so much that eventually. Um, the uh, the whole thing culminates and it gets so bad that the the Big Bang resets everything. Wow. And also I noticed, too, that the last uh, phase here of that lifespan is 100 years. Yes. Right? Yeah. So, if, so we're if, there. I was <laughs> going to say that. I was going to say that. So, I mean, it's yeah. easy to kind of conclude that we're actually in that phase based on the lifespan, which, of course, is less than that. Right. And so it's all kind of based on their three-part. Again, there's Brahma, the creator, is when it reinitiates this big bang. So there's the creating element, the preserver, right? So that person is is ensuring that everything doesn't fall apart over these ages, and then there's Shiva, the destroyer, gets so bad, there's judgment, and and people, everything's just destroyed, and things kind of just start all over. You know what I'm so grateful for? And obviously we're going to get to this. I'm, I'm so grateful that the main player in the Christian faith eschatology is still Jesus right, who yeah. was the main player at the beginning of the right. story and in the beginning was the you know was God and God uh, was the word and the word was with God and like we see Jesus show up there in the beginning and then he comes at the end and that's to me that's just so much more uh, I mean it's hard for me to imagine actually saying that the Christian faith eschatology is so much simpler to grasp that but, but it sure sounds like it right yeah and that's the I mean it's you know in all of these religious viewpoints there is with the exception of the Jewish one the Judaism there's like there's literally an end of the world right it's mm. kind of like okay the the Hindu one everything kind of gets blown up yeah. right and then the Buddhism everything's everyone's cutting each other's heads off with swords except for this remnant and then Islam everything is kind of annihilated and everyone goes to yeah. live in paradise right um the same now those are the main religious ones right, right? 
Now, like we said at the beginning, everybody has an eschatology. Really, everyone has a picture, whether they it's well thought out of or, or well informed about what kind of the end of the world looks like. Right, and also whether or not it includes a divine intervention Correct. or it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. And so, even if you're listening to this and you would consider yourself an atheist or an agnostic, you're a secular humanist. Um, they don't have a stated theology of eschatology, but they do have clear ideas of how the world could and if you listen to them, most likely will yeah, end. Yeah, and obviously playing on the most very vivid nightmarish scenarios yes. that any human being would would uh, would happen to imagine. Right, yeah. yeah. Yep. And so um, there's three. We'll kind of look at three, okay? okay. One is what's called a mass extinction, extinction level event. A little asteroid visitation. Yeah, yeah. So the... the that's the theory that the life on Earth is marked by. There's there has been five events of mass extinction already, oh. and then a sixth mass extinction event yeah. is taking place, but this time it's caused by human activities. Oh right, okay. Yeah. So, so an not, asteroid is one, right? It could actually happen. Except this one is caused by human activity. Right. Yeah. Yes. The belief is that the next one is caused by oh, human activity. Again. So again, you, I mean, there's a, again a common thread of human behavior mm-hmm. degenerates to the point yeah. where we just screw everything up and everything right, blows up. Right. right? So you might be getting to this, but I'm immediately, my mind goes towards the human activity of ruining the planet, which generates uh, a catastrophic mass extinction. And you could see why, if this is where you're going with this, you could see why to the climate change um, religionist, right? You, yep. you can see why the greatest immorality would be to kind of uh, perpetrate upon the climate in such a way as that it accelerates a mass extinction. And then you're like, okay, well, you're to blame because of your immorality. Right. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And so that's a that's a big component of the climate catastrophist. And we've done a yeah. whole episode on this. But, and again, there, in there that there's the element of behavior will destroy the humanity. Yeah. But then also there's a level of, of, like, of judgment. And if you think, if you listen to the climate catastrophist, there is very high levels of, of self-righteousness and condemnation, right? Mm. So the retribution of like, how do we punish the people who have destroyed our planet? Right. And um, so that's a, you know, there's some other elements in there as well. I totally get that. If they're concerned that those non-environmentalists or those, you know, whoever they are, if they believe they are accelerating a, a mass extinction event, I could imagine being very sure. angry, very condescending, and really willing to punish them uh, with no limits yep. if exactly. it means preserving or extending the life of the planet or humankind. Yep. And specific, yeah, and specific yeah. to climate change and stuff, it's like it's all these other ones, it's no one knows, like religious ones, no one knows the time. Yeah. You know, climate change catastrophists put like eight years. Yeah, They're like in yeah. eight years, we're all dead. It and it's odd. like, okay, well, you talk about. Wait, anyway, we did a whole we did a whole episode on. It. If you haven't listened to it, go listen to it. Um, but that is a that's an eschatological kind right. of way of secular humanism kind of has that says the end of the world is such that we're going to contribute our poor behavior will contribute to climate catastrophe. I always interpret those timelines. You know, when they name how long it's going to be, I don't know about. Those of you who are listening, or even you, Yon, I don't know how this res, uh, kind of registers with you, but I'm always very, very suspicious that it's just a tactic. Sure. You know, yeah. I, I just can't believe someone could even scientifically uh, research, look at evidence, and then predict with any accuracy a timeline of the demise of the planet. Yeah. You know, so it's, I kind of have a little cynicism about giving those types of. Right. Uh, timelines. Oh, I agree. It's just a tactic, yeah. right? It's just like the people. It feels like the the people who say Jesus is coming back on this date. Same, same. And you're exactly. like, okay, so are you just gonna never speak again if it doesn't happen? Right. We get right. to like 
stone you in the backyard yeah, like they yeah. did in the Old Testament yeah. for false prophets. But no, you just move the right. you move the the date the yeah. date. Yeah. So, but the mass extinction level event is a you know end of end of the world. Mm. Um, it's a it's a viewpoint. It's an eschatology, yeah. and actually Elon Musk, right? Everyone's favorite super smart billionaire says there is a 100% chance that all species will become extinct due to the expansion of the sun. <laughs> so that's not human behavior wow. uh, unless humanity becomes multiplanetary. So his idea is to lower cost to build a futuristic Noah's Ark right, and right. also be able to carry animals. So, so it's like a shuttle, a little shuttle, space shuttle to get out of the, uh, get yeah. out of the burning earth. Yeah. But it is, is again, fascinating, similar to the idea of like this remnant there's like, you know, I mean, there's a remnant that you can escape yeah. the coming end of the world. Right, right. So, right. That's fascinating. Um, so that's a mass that's extinction incredible. level event, right? There's another one that's a little bit more nuanced, and that's, you know, and and really it's it's very specific, but it's the idea, and it could fall in the mass extinction level event, but it's but it's more, it's, it's more specific, and it's artificial intelligence. Mm. Okay, so the rise of artificial intelligence, and this is someone, um, something that... Um, some some very prominent atheist, um, the new atheist leaders have identified as a problem. And there's four kind of ways that the world could end through this artificial intelligence eschatology. The first is that military AIs run amok. Oh, <laughs> so boy. This, oh you boy. can think of like Terminator, right? Yeah, Skynet. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it's like, uh-oh. I've so seen this movie before. The humans are a threat. They're going to shut us down. Let's yep. exterminate them, yeah, right? Yeah. So they start killing everybody. Yeah, so um, the second one is an AI optimization apocalypse. So AIs that are dis- that decide the best way to optimize some processes or their own, for their own survival, you know, spam reduction, whatever, yeah. you know, is to eliminate the human race. And <laughs> for example, like this is Elon Musk jokes like, let's say, for example, AI is tasked with the, their function is to get rid of spam email. Mm-hmm. And it decides that the best, most efficient way to get rid of spam email is, in fact, to just get rid of human beings. Yeah, who are the source of yeah, spam emails. So they're yeah. just like, all right, well, oh they've gosh. optimized so <laughs> themselves they can, into the apocalypse. They can delete themselves. Yeah. Wow. Uh, hey, you know, where they'll fi- you know where you'll find those humans? You'll find them in the trash can, the digital trash can, right. right on the desktop. Yep. Don't permanently delete. That's right. <laughs> Um, the resource race, number three, AIs decide that they want more and more computing power and the needs of meager earthlings are getting in the way. So they wow. destroy humanity and convert all the resources like in biomass and all the mass of Earth actually into computing substrate. Interesting. That's a good one, right? Yeah. So that's kind of like the matrix. Like, right. okay, they need electricity, plug a human in, and right? Put them in a simulation. So, so cool. The fourth one is just unknowable motivations. AIs develop some unknown motivation that only supremely intelligent beings can understand and humans are in the way of their objective so they elim- eliminate us. Kind of the analogy of the anthill on a superhighway. Right? It's kind of funny because I mean, if you've read the book Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the whole book is about this infinite universe of galactic and and Earth was decided that it's in the middle. It's, a, it's in the way of a galactic superhighway so they're just going to blow it up and... You know, human humans are completely oblivious, but right. we're just like an anthill living around. Uh, yeah. But that's what they're saying. There's wow. an unknowable motivation wow. that we're just like living our lives, and AI just wants to destroy us. So, so there you go. Those are kind of like the again. That's that's amazing. Yeah, right. So, but the oh, idea, 
Yeah, the idea is that, I mean, even you don't have to be a religious person to have an eschatology. Yeah. Everyone has a perception and a fear of what the world's going to look like when it ends. Right. right. So so you were saying before, you were saying before the uh, mass extinction level, would that would that be the category for there's a nuclear uh, disaster, there's a nuclear hostilities, a nuclear war, right? Would that be the mass extinction level event? Yeah, I think that could fall into that. I think one of the mass extinction, the mass extinction level events, there's like two categories. One that's not human generated, oh, yeah. you know, like, so, right. the, so an asteroid literally kills uh, us, just yes. the love averages gotcha. because, then the other one is human is, we humans are so it. stupid and our behavior is so dumb that we're, you know, yeah. we cause it. So that would be, that, that would makes be one sense. of them. Yeah. Okay. So, so there you have it. Those are kind of like the, that's like an overview of, the idea that everyone has an eschatological worldview. And the question is, well, why does this matter to Christians? Right? So what? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, one of the, one of a, a great analogy that I, I kind of came across is I've just started re- recently re- reading the Lord of the Rings. And if you haven't read that, um, spoiler alerts coming up, but, um, read it. But, um, so there's a character named Sam, and after the ring is destroyed in Mount Doom, if you haven't read it, you don't know what I'm talking about, but they take this journey and they destroy this ring of power, and Sam wakes up from this sleep, and he's surprised that he's alive, and he's surprised to see Gandalf, which is his wizard friend. Hmm. And he asks Gandalf, who's a very powerful wizard who's been working against the darkness, and he says, is everything sad going to come untrue? Hmm. What's happened to the world? And uh, this is a profound statement. I think yeah. it kind of answers the question of why we should care because him asking, is everything sad going to come untrue, is very different than say, than asking, are all the good things, have they come true? Yeah. And it's different because Sam's statement kind of resonates with, I think, what everybody is feeling, and especially now as we're looking at uh, heightened levels of suffering and pain and the threat of thermonuclear war with, with, with Putin, is that... It's not that there's something right that we're looking for in the future. It's that there's something terribly wrong with the world, right? There's sad things, and we want them to come untrue. Mm. And this, the world is, you know, filled with curse, with sin, and, and groaning, and and everyone has a perspective about how this kind of how this ends, right? How this all this pain and sadness that is that we're currently existing, how it actually gets resolved, how mm. it becomes untrue. And that's really eschatology is about how do you deal with the problem of evil, and that's why that's kind of why it matters so much in this context. Yeah. So um, your life changes when you come to some real deep belief or conviction about how suffering is going to end, or if it's going to end. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and, and let me one of the one of the dangers of not coming up with some real clear, believable convictions, Yon, is that you decide that it's never going to end and the only way to escape it is to kill yourself or suffer uh, um, terribly until until you physically die. And in the meantime, if it's bad enough... uh, between now and the time you die, you just medicate yourself with all kinds of subs, all kinds of substances, right? right? Yeah. So, in other words, there's a despairing hopelessness for those who don't come right. up with some clear convictions. And really, that's true of the Christian faith too, because several times in the Christian faith, you'll see the author of maybe one of the letters to a church in the New Testament, like Paul, will say, "Encourage each other with these words." In other words, right. don't despair. Yeah. Remember, this is what our eschatology is. Encourage each other. Strengthen each other. Speak these words to one another. Bring comfort and hope yeah. because 
of so much suffering and to and to answer the question will this ever, sadness ever come untrue right and yeah. i think that's the, the the hopelessness piece is everyone every one of these worldviews is espousing hope in something yeah right and what is the right the the buddhist have their hope the 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 islamists have their hope right and and secular humans have their hope, right? They're putting their hope and faith and trust in people like Elon Musk and technology and stuff. And so the question is, what is the biblical center of hope and how does the biblical worldview and how does our how does Jesus show up as the hope that we can kind of cling to and how does it you know, how do we transform our world with a biblical worldview? Yeah, and you know, here's how most of us can relate. Uh, I mean, really, with any human who is in any category of religion, it's quite likely that whether you're um, in any one of those categories of religious faith or not, you you may possibly have shared the same exact question about what's happening in the world, the suffering and the turmoil that's in the world. You may have shared the same question that was shared by the disciples in the New Testament and also the psalmist in the Old Testament, which mm-hmm. is this question, like to whatever... Uh, deity that you're you're lifting your voice to you ask this question you like in the christian uh, phrase uh frame of uh language it would sound like this how long oh lord right how long and so uh, the question is generated uh, by people who are looking at the terrible suffering whether that suffering is the pandemic or war or even when like there's an election of a new leader and you hear things like oh the you know, our whole country is gone now. We, we're going to lose our entire country because a new party was elected. Or you remember the uh, the, the t- change in time when we had UT, U, uh, U2K, Y2K, Y2K yeah, was, right. was arriving. And it was like, oh, uh-oh, this is going to be uh, apocalyptic in nature. And now we've, we're talking about uh, the invention of a technological device like the metaverse and possibly departing, you know, our, our real lives right. for this uh, our artificial um, augmented reality. Either way... It generates a sense in human beings of, of just asking a question like, how long is this going to go on? Right. I wish that it would end soon. And for a lot of Christians, it quickly becomes like, oh, it's it needs to end. How about now? Sure. There's you know, an anticipation. There's, I don't want it. It's so, yeah, so bad. I want to get there. <laughs> exactly. And also, this has got to be the end sure. because we have a new president. This right. has got to be yeah, the exactly. end because the wars uh, seem like they're unlimited. This has got to be the end because there's a change in year. You know, that's yep. that's significant. And and I'm always kind of I'm always kind of taken back to this passage in the scripture that that ri- was written by Paul. And and he in in essence, Paul writes this. He says, surely. We're in the last days. Now, yo, right. that was 2,000 <laughs> yeah. years ago, Paul the Apostle says. I mean, surely we're in the last age. What did Paul know? Obviously <laughs> nothing, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, he is no sense of time, obviously. Know, right? <laughs> um, but the bottom line is the answer to the question, how long, O oh Lord? And I'm going to repeat this in a couple of different ways. But the answer to the question, Yon, is the, when you say to God, if you're a if you're a Christian or you're maybe even a non-Christian, you're just expressing some exasperation to whatever creator and you say, how long? Here's the biblical answer. The biblical answer is soon. Soon. Mm-hmm. The yeah. end, the end times, the end of this physical material life, mm. the answer biblically is it's going to be soon. Even throughout Revelation, right, the, the last book of the New Testament, which kind of, it kind of uh, resolves the entire Bible John, who wrote it, employs this one single word to help us as we ask questions about God's timeline as to when this is going to end. He uses the word soon. There's this, 
there's this phrase in, in the book of Revelation um, that, that kind of goes like this, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the things that must soon take place, mm-hmm. right? So then, right. so the end, in, in framing the book of Revelation, it's framed in the timeline Timeline as these are the things that must soon take place. Mm-hmm. So this, this word soon comes up quite a bit. So the biblical worldview does provide a detailed, I won't say clear, but a detailed description of the way that the world as we know it comes to an end. And the Bible provides these principles uh, and guidelines really to help us navigate where are we going, how's it going to end, how long is it going to take until we get there. And uh, it's amazing, right, because there is apocalyptic imagery in the Bible that literally reads like a fantasy trilogy. Yeah. So whatever whatever fantasy you've come across in terms of sci-fi trilogy, imagine the apocalyptic literature of the Bible. I, right. I guarantee you, is is informing similar in that informing it. Right? Yeah, it's either informing <laughs> it or it's or it's uh, or it's above and beyond that. Yeah. Words like, and I mean, think of this, and when you think about um, apocalyptic imagery, you got to keep in mind there's words like antichrist, rapture, tribulation, millennium, horns, eyes trumpet blast right i mean i'm just scratching the surface there with what kinds of words pop up in this apocalyptic imagery Uh, and i've noticed in the church the churches i've been a part of and i'm pretty sure based on my um my kind of my antennas for what's out there in the church world people in the church world they have a long time uh, really deep passion for decoding end time Bible references. And they want to do so, in large part, they want to do so, or they find it appealing uh, by the people who've done this to decode it with charts and graphs and timelines and also kind of decoding prophecies. And I probably can't even count how many times someone said to me something to the effect of, Pastor, we should talk about the end times more. Right. We should talk about the end times now. We should talk about the end times because there's a, a war in the Middle East or there is a cat, right. cat, uh, there is a tsunami yeah. in the shore of, was that Philippines? Or, yes. um, yep. or there's a, an earthquake that took down the, almost the entire country of Haiti. And then I hear the same thing, which right. is, Pastor, we should talk about that. And um, A global pandemic. Right? A global <laughs> pandemic, yeah, exactly. So now I've come to discover, Yon, that there is to every single kind of person I talk to, there is a unique interpretation of the end times according sure, to yeah. their faith, right? The Christian yeah. faith. And I, so, so what I've learned to do is rather than get into when someone says to me, so Pastor Dan, do you believe the rapture is before uh, the tribulation? Right. Is yeah. it in the middle? Is it at the end? Or don't you agree with the traditional interpretation of such and such? I've kind of come to this, I've kind of come to this, I think, um, helpful, very summaristic. Is that a word? No. It is now. <laughs> Summeristic view. <laughs> Summer, of, warm, and sunny? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yep. And it kind of, it, it goes like this. It's very specific. And here's here's what I kind of try to explain to people, that I feel like I have adopted the eschatology of Paul and Jesus. If I summarized it, if I put it together, and it goes like this, the end times is certain, be ready, hmm. it's coming soon. Hmm. So there's three aspects. There's no doubt an end times is coming. There's no doubt that the scripture teaches that Christians of all people should be ready for the end. Mm. And that in terms of the timeline, it's coming soon. So Paul even says, redeem the time. The days are evil, but they're coming to an end, right? right? So, and Jesus tells this story about the lampstands and, you know, it it reminds me of um, 
the 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 attitude that Christians should have about the end times is is illustrated by Jesus, and he talks about uh, the the master is away, and then they're lighting the lampstands, and then they can't get lazy and let them go out right. because they never know when the the yeah. master is going to come back to the home. And it so reminds me of like. Uh, some of the early days when I had young children in the house and, and, and my wife would go away for whatever, a little weekend or something like that, and the house would slowly sure. <laughs> begin to devolve into a disaster, right? Like, right? Oh, <laughs> and I tell you, if the the only thing that I found that really fired up some incentive to get that house back in order was to know when yes, the, right. the mother and the wife was going to return. Think after cell phones. So exactly, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and of course... Of course, I'm thinking of, of the a time in my life before cell phones where we just like, you know, just before Raquel slips away, I'm kind of like, so tell me, again, yeah. tell me again exactly when you're Don't returning. Come back before. And here's why. Being certain that the return is going to happen and knowing about when it's going to happen does generate a sense of urgency, right? Sure, yeah. So what Paul says is that all we need to know is it's going to happen soon and that essentially, however it ends, it's going to be soon and we have a sense of urgency that we should be prepared that we should be doing the things that we need to do mm-hmm. to prepare for the return or living like it's going to be today yeah and that i think is helpful theology so let me so let me summarize it again and then i'm actually gonna um i'm gonna kind of read through some of this the last times language in the bible but the end times is certain be ready it's coming soon live in such a way that you're expecting and anticipating that the return of the rescuer jesus could be any time so and you wonder, why are Christian people so ramped up about the present-day events? And the reason is because they see what appears to be the biblical warnings about the reality yeah. and the signs of the end. So yeah. Christians get all amped up and ramped up about what's happening politically and in our pop culture and so on because they literally feel like, we've been warned about this. Yeah. This is in the end times language right. of the Bible, and it's happening. Right. We yeah. see it happening. So they get amped up. And, and so... I thought it would be helpful to actually read what Christians are referring to when they're getting amped up and ramped up about the signs and the reality of the end times, of the end of the material world. I think all you need to say is Donald Trump was elected president. It was not in the Bible. It, and you, I think times. you can. I think oh. you can interpret that. Some people thought he. Yeah. <laughs> I think you can interpret yeah. something, some of these things that way. But uh, so there's a few verses. Actually, I I want to I want to read four, and I know it's hard to listen to someone who's reading. So uh, hopefully my reading isn't too bad. It comes out of Matthew, and uh, it's in chapter 24. And listen to this language. I'm just going to read a series of of passages here, and 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 listen for the signs of the end and the urgency of the reality here. And many will turn away from me, Jesus is saying, and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it. And then the end will come. Hmm. Right, so there's a whole list of things that would have to happen there before the end will come. One of them is the whole world has to hear the go- the good news of the gospel. Mm, yeah. So that gets people amped up and ramped up. And then uh, Paul writes a letter to Tim- um, in Timothy here, and he is helping again. He's kind of helping and teaching a young church leader on doing it effectively. And he talks about the dangers of the last days. And and in Second Timothy chapter three, it goes like this. So. 
you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days, again, it's certain there's a last day. In the last days, there will be very difficult times. And, and then for the Christian, this is Paul saying, people will love only themselves and their money. Hmm. Christians uh, will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They'll consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They'll be cruel and hate what is good. They'll betray their friends, be reckless and puffed up with pride and loving pleasure rather than God. And they will act religious. They will mm-hmm. seem like they will seem like religious leaders. They'll seem like religious TV preachers. They'll seem like religious church pastors and deacon board members and so on. But they will reject the power that could make them godly. And then Paul says to Timothy, "Hey, you're a church leader. Stay away from people like that. Stay away from the phonies." I gotta expel my toddler daughter. Yeah, she's disobeying me. She has. <laughs> she needs, and you need to stay away from her. That's right. Stay away from her. So then, in the Old Testament. In the book of Daniel, very apocalyptic book of prophecy. Listen to this language. But you, Daniel, keep this prophecy a secret. Seal up the book until, he says, the time of the end. So again, another indication that there is a specific time that it all ends. Which he says, by the way, in that time of the end, many will rush here and there and knowledge will increase. And of course, you can imagine Christians reading that and saying, sure. people are rushing here yeah. and there. You can we'll travel the globe now. We've got the a, internet, these yeah. un- unlimited... In- <laughs> yep, the, the, the amount of information is, is um, ab- absolutely, um, you know, it's, it's multiplying infinitely. By Everyone the, is a armchair now an armchair expert expert on russia ukrainian relations yes. yep. you know prior they were in you know infectious no doubt. disease experts on exactly. twitter and all exactly. that stuff, right? so exactly everyone, yeah. so you can see why there are christians who know their bible they know the apocalyptic literature they know the end times literature and they're distressed over hey it's so obvious check this out and then jesus is describing what the signs of the times are going to be at the end and here's what he says nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in parts of the world, but all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. Hmm, so that's good. they'll see, again, <laughs> Christians see that this is just describing what's happening in the world. And obviously there's, I think there's some, I've had this conversation regularly too, where I say, when you think about this world's wars and rumors of wars, right. Are there really a lot of them, or are we just aware of them? When you think back on the ancient cultures who were clashing constantly, I think you actually referenced this at some point, that literally uh, the whole culture was at war. All, yeah. I mean, it was it's a, a war. springtime came and it's like, okay, what are we going to do? Who? We're going to go fight a war. Exactly. We're going to go kill some people right. ransack their cities. What country are so. we going to conquer and overcome? Yeah. So um, so what is what does he mean by more to come? Jesus speaks about this time and uh this is going to be a great word for people who who like these um mm, this who is like a good these, one yeah people who like this apocalyptic um conversation they love this word and this word is a is a important word but jesus speaks about a time of tribulation mm. and it's and it's the tribulation is unlike anything the world's experienced before now i, I you can imagine some christian theologians and scholars believe the tribulation has already happened sure yeah. um with with really um, unprecedented, hist- epic, biblically epic levels of persecution of the Christian right, church. Yeah. They believe it's already happened and we're currently, um, it, it's currently behind us. But uh, Jesus is, again, he's describing in Matthew something uh, about the tribulation. Here's what he says, For there will be greater anguish coming than at any time since the world began 
and it will never be so great again. In fact, unless that time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will survive. It's an unsurvivable level of calamity that um, is being described here. Hmm. And But it will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen ones. In other words, so God God's, will, grace, yeah. God's grace will intervene and hmm. shorten this time of tribulation to save those who he has actually, th- that belong to him, those who by faith belong to him through Jesus. Those days apparently would be cut short. I mean, and obviously it does make you wonder, uh, does God mean he's going to supernaturally cut that short? Um, otherwise, it would likely wipe out humanity from the planet completely. And uh, so for the sake of people who belong to him, he cuts it short. So um, are there some biblical principles that I can use to help me understand or navigate or think through what my uh, what my uh kind of end times eschatology is and i think this is especially helpful for people who are christians people who have a christian worldview how are you supposed to train uh, um salt the earth with in which way do you do you transform your view of the world if you're not coming from a religious kind of like one of those hindu uh, a buddhist muslim or a secular humanist worldview if you have the christian worldview um there are some biblical principles to apply to this question. And, and the first one is to, to remember that the, the answer to the question when, the only safe biblical answer is soon. That's a good one. The, the, there, there is no significant, meaningful, accurate biblical view other than all we know for certain is it will be soon. That's the biblical answer to the question. Uh, and now Jesus will likely say to us, uh, what he said to the disciples if you asked him. And then he says, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his authority. You're not to know those times or seasons, even though we know, and we'll see this later, even though we know that certain there are certain signs of the times, but it right. still doesn't bring us to the point where we're like, oh, we can name the date, the month, or the year. Right. So all we know for certain as Christians is, the return or the end of the world, the end of the material word, the world, the return of Jesus, you know, the big apocalyptic ending here is soon. And don't forget, soon is a relative word because Paul said, right. certainly yeah. we are in the last age, right? Uh, there's no more ages to come after the local church age. So that's when I tell my daughter, she <laughs> says, when can I have my cookie? I'm like, soon, soon sweetie. Yeah, you know, soon. In, in that way, you're exactly like, just God, like God the Father. Just like God the in Father. Own authority. I, love right. it's, I tell her it's not for your you to know the fixed it's times not that I've just... Exactly. <laughs> You're such a biblical dad. Well, but not everyone can be like me, but... <laughs> it is a good ideal. And so in the book of Revelation, the author, John, he starts... He, he uses this word. Uh, he uses this word often. And actually, there's three. I won't read them now, but there's three passages. Uh, in Revelation 22, he uses the word soon three times. I'm coming soon. I'm coming soon. Surely I am coming soon. So that's what we're left with. If you're a Christian, right. where he's coming soon. So when someone says to you, well, listen, we, it's probably 2022 because here is the Bible code and here's right, how yeah. you can kind of decode the stars. But, you know, or we discovered some archaic, some ar- ancient biblical text, which kind of gives us an idea specifically of what year. And it's just not it's right, just not yeah. accurate. It's yep. just not accurate. The accurate word is all we know is it's coming soon. So. Um, and, and by the way, the idea that Jesus is coming soon has helped Christians endure throughout age after age after age and the, this is kind of a foundation that motivates obedience mm. to God's revealed word because we know that 
the end is coming soon, and also it it should actually spur repentance. And that's why I say that I use this phrase, um, be ready, right? It means an ongoing, uh, obviously when you repent the first time, there's this covering of your sins, their sins are, your sins are no longer counted against you. And, uh, that one repentance, you know, leads itself to saving faith in Jesus. And then you are forgiven and rescued and you are secure in, in your adoption in God's family. That being said, we have an ongoing humility that brings repentance over the Right. Uh, just the fact that we're just missing the mark mm-hmm. personally and, and collectively. And so knowing that Jesus is coming soon, just kind of, it, it basically means we look around our house that's been uh, completely disheveled because of all of the uh, human activity inside of it. And before the, the, the parent comes back home, we just get to work of cleaning it up, right? right? Yep. And uh, yep. taking care of it. So, and, and obviously, hopefully, this declaration that he's coming soon strengthens kind of the the uh, the weak knees and the uh, the weariness of life and, and brings some emboldened hope. So um, now non-believers will be shocked. Uh, in Thessalonians, it's written that um, concerning how all and when this will happen, we don't really need to write to you. Paul writes, for you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come expectedly like a thief in the night. When people are saying everything is peaceful and secure, then disaster will fall on them as a, as suddenly as a pregnant woman's labor pains begin, and there will be no escape. So for the non-believers, they'll be surprised, they'll be shocked, they'll be like mm. a, uh, you know, like a thief appearing in the night, and it will come on like labor pains. But the but he goes on to basically say Christians should not be ignorant. No, we're mm. ignorant of the exact time and date, but Christians are not in the dark about these things, and they shouldn't and wouldn't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief, in this case, the return of Jesus. Uh, Instead of being ignorant, Christians should be ready. And he goes on to say very similar things to what Jesus has said before. So be on your guard, not asleep like the others. Stay alert, be clear-headed. Night is the time when people sleep and drinkers get drunk, but let us who live in the light be clear-headed. Sober-minded is one way to look at that. Uh, protected by the armor of faith and love and wearing as our helmets the confidence of our salvation. So again, there's not an, a passive ho-hum, hey, you know what, it's all going to end, it's all going to resolve itself, I don't really right. care, I'm going to build my little you know, earthly kingdom. Paul is imploring Christians, live prepared, live ready as if mm. something matters more than the smallness of this, of this earth in your life. Uh, so the word soon is not said with a distracted eye. Um, you know, towards something better or bigger, but really with this eager anticipation that's fixed on the coming of Jesus. Mm, so yeah. there's an intensity and there's a focus in the Christian. So Christians don't have to be afraid, for God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on believers who belong to Jesus. Jesus died for us so that whether we are dead in the grave or we're alive, when he returns, we can live with him forever. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. So his return is near, and the Christian mm-hmm. worldview is we should live ready. We should live like mom is coming home, right. and we have to be diligent and focused and attentive. And so with his disciples, we get to say and join with them as original disciples, amen. Come, Lord Jesus, we expect it. And again, let me go back to the very, very first thing. Um his return is the, the the time is certain. The ends the end is certain. Be ready, right? Um, he's coming soon, and that's how I would summarize the best way to approach this 
And uh, I actually will close this way, Yon. I love the way it's written in Jude, verse 24 and 25. Listen to this benediction in Jude, in Jude. It goes like this. Now all glory to God, who is able to keep you from falling away and will bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. All glory to him who alone is our God and Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord. All glory, majesty, power, and authority are his before all time, in the present, and beyond all time. Amen. Now, what I didn't get into is all the apocalyptic symbolism and so on. That's that's uh, something to really uh, discover and study and make sense of all your own. But what I'm hoping to do is just summarize the way to look at all, all of right. it yeah. that I find a lot more enriching, a lot more encouraging, and also a lot more uh so because see the risk is to get off into studying the the peripheral details rather than the meaning of all of it and that's you know that's i think important to know and comparatively i mean the principles again the question is how long and like where's the hope right and there seems i mean if i mean obviously you could say if you're not a christian and you're listening you'd say it's, it's a biased opinion probably but you know there's a there's an there's a higher level of hope in found in the Christian perspective of what happens at the end because again we don't have to do anything there's no there's no destruction of everything right yeah. there's no there's no um the world doesn't get annihilated there's no oh we're just going to start all over everyone's in in a lot of trouble it's really i mean obviously based on the work of Jesus and he shows up with grace and mercy but then right. also there's some level of you know there's some level of it's the rest it's the sam everything all yeah. the sad stuff becomes untrue, right. right? It's a restoration process. It's a restoration kind of culmination. Sure. It's not a screw this whole place. You guys right. screwed it so much. We're going to just destroy it all. Right? Yeah, Start and, there's over. A, and there's an eternity of beauty and, and living in God's presence with Jesus for those who belong to Jesus. And there's a eternity that comes uh, f- through the judgment of Jesus for those who rejected Jesus. Right. right? So, there is an ongoing eternity. There's a new Jerusalem, which is a new city. There's a new earth, and it's all restored by Jesus. And for those who endure to the end, based on their faith in Jesus, they enjoy that, and there's yeah. something to look forward to. And um, yeah. and I think that that for uh, in in Paul's words, encourage each other. He says with right. those with right. those words with that idea. And the question is, as we are trying to be winsome, it's. It's not that Christians believe in an end times. Again, it's everyone believes in some sort of picture. It's the question is, what are you putting your faith and right. your hope and your trust into to, you know, save the yeah. save the world? Because yeah. everyone can look around and say, you're not going to meet a single person who doesn't look around and say, you know, the world is broken and full of sadness. And right. it's, I mean, everyone experiences that. The question becomes, well, where's our hope, right? right. Everyone has an eschatology of how things how things work on the end. Yeah, so. that's well said, and it's important for us to recognize that that means that we can look at, look down the barrel of a nuclear war. We can look very, very um, clearly and sober-mindedly at the, um, the uh, let's say, the erosion of the climate and the planet. We can look at the emergence of AI and the risks that are involved in that. And none of us have to fear because the way it ends is the return of our rescuer. Right. So none of that should really rattle us or bring us to nightmares. Instead, we have the hope of a return of a Savior who restores all things. We have a new city and a new earth. And we're dwelling with joy in him, with him, and worshiping him while we 
cultivate the earth and work, yeah. you know, without and, all yeah. of the sin, suffering, yeah. and disease, and without all the, uh, the the pain and hurt that goes along with a uh, with the earth that we currently yeah. inhabit now. And it's simultaneously a model for what we should be doing now, yeah, right? It paints exactly. the picture of, okay, that's what God is going to do. Yes. That's the end state. We participate in exactly. doing that, right? Exactly. So. And, and there's a phrase in theology that says we're already at work with that, you know, God's already restoring it but not yet fully and finally, right. which is what we look to and what we look forward to. So Christians should not despair. Even in the face of Arnold Schwarzenegger as a Terminator. That's it. So there That's you go. It. Even though we might be all living in a form of matrix. Yeah, this could be just a simulation. Who knows? <laughs> um, yeah, so now we get to the part where we talk about, now let's say we, I mean, all that's well and good, but let's say the world is going to end. And everything's... We just you know, said it's going to end. Yeah, well, let's say we're in Hollywood, and you're thinking, of all the different ways in which the world could end, mm. generally found in the <clears throat> Hollywood dystopian future and yeah. or catastrophes, um, what do you think would be the best option? Which one? How do you want to go on? Yeah, well, <laughs> let me tell you, there's two that, that come to my mind right away, and they're very, very passive exits from the Earth. <laughs> what? None of them are very exciting sci-fi movies. Um, uh, one of them is, uh, there's a part of me that feels like my preference for the way that I leave this earth is the way that the people did when Thanos snapped his fingers oh. and they just kind of <laughs> melted away into dust. And I'm kind of like, you know, that wouldn't be terrible. No, I guess. That wouldn't all be. Things considered. That's yeah. even better than dying in your sleep, right? Yeah. You just kind of like mm. come apart and blow away. Yeah. And secondly, I think it's been a long time since I've seen this, uh, uh, saw this movie on television. But I think the isn't the end of Shawshank where uh, he's on an open highway and he's finally sprung free from the prison. He's finally sprung free from all of the uh, the the yeah. torture. And I think and like on the beach and he's, on like, the beach, he's yeah. doing he's doing his boat. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. Buddy comes walking up. So there's a part of me that thinks so that's the best way to end. He just kind of drive off into the either the horizon and the highway area. Or you um, walking at the end of a beach, and you just kind of walk until uh, until you disappear, or fade away. But those are two pretty pretty passive, painless ways to to see it all end. Yeah, uh, I don't know what the what about you? I don't know what's the. I mean, what's the worst way that could? I, I mean, I, I mean that's not the option. But you went with like it's so easy. Of course, everyone just wants to snap of the finger and just dissolve, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I do. I mean, Are you more of a Ready Player One utopia guy? You uh, win the you win the battle, and now you're living the dream, the utopian. Yeah, dream. I mean, I guess I'm just young enough where I have rarely thought about like. I mean, I've thought about obviously getting killed in war and stuff, but it's like, okay, well, what happens at the end? You know, what happens if it all? Yeah. I had I did have a friend who said his wife started talking like, should we not, should we buy food stores and like do stuff just in case these nukes go off? And he was like. It's like, what are you talking about? In the second these nukes get fired, I'm running as fast as I can to wherever they're going to land, right? Because <laughs> honestly, there's like movies like The Road. It's like, I think that's Viggo Mortensen, but it's like there's people who survive the post-apocalypse yeah, and you're like, exactly. no, I'm like, I don't yeah. know. Everyone's like a cannibal and it's all crazy. I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, Maybe just like, give me the instantaneous yeah, Take me to the, to the tip of the missile Yeah, so. yeah rather than... The Lord of the Flies existence after it's over. Yep. So, um, so yeah, uh, I don't have one. Maybe oh, a, that's maybe a great preference. That's a great yeah. preference. Yeah, it's a great <laughs> preference. Yeah. I so. guess. Anyway, at that point, will I care? No. No. 
No. So it's so hard to even think that because of how long you and I have had our heart set on the return of Jesus, right? So it's either a physical death where right. you end up in the grave, hopefully, yeah. you know, dying in your sleep, or the triumphant, you know, conquering return of our of our rescuing King. So, yep, interesting. Well, there you have it, folks. Um, end of the world is nigh. <laughs> nigh, also soon. Is that what it is? It's the end of the world as we know yeah. it. Who wrote that? Who sings that? Uh, oh, I know that. Uh, I forget. But I don't know. Isn't it REM? It is REM. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the this is the kind of fan mail we're gonna get now. It's like yo, and I can't believe you didn't know REM. Just so your listeners know that <laughs> on our Spotify, there they show artists that people who listen to you are also listening to. Ooh, number I'm one on to the, hear this. Number yeah. one on the list was Counting Crows. Oh my gosh, <laughs> yeah. really? We're aging ourselves. And like Fall Out Boy was on there. Oh it was my like, gosh, oh my I don't God. even know what that means. Anyways, so act as if the end is nigh and go and rate our podcast. If you're on Spotify, if you're on iTunes, wherever it is, rate us, share us, write a comment. We'd love that just so more people can find us. We've now reached the top of Google search results. If That's you, right. If you do salted podcast, we hit the top. So yeah. we're taking over the world. That's pretty cool. Thanks, everybody. See you next time. Thanks so much for checking out the Salted Podcast. You can find other episodes and topics on SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcast. Make sure you click follow so you'll get notifications whenever new episodes come out. Thanks for listening.